Good morning to everyone. This is a very beautiful morning. For the reason that tomorrow we'll be celebrating our Independence Day. And I praise the Lord for the wonderful purpose why we are here today. Shall we pray first? <clears throat> Father, we praise you and we thank you for what you have done and shall build in our lives day by day. I pray, O oh Lord, that you will open the hearts of our people, of your people, oh Lord, that they may be able to ponder on the things that you have given us as your basis. Lord, thank you for using your servant in this morning's affair. In Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> I hope you could hear me now. Yes. It's not so heavy. You know, as I go around our community for a walk of 30 minutes just for an exercise, daily, I could sense that people are very ready to celebrate this Independence Day that we will have tomorrow. But you know, one thing that I have asked myself, are these people trying to remember the sacrifices of the forefathers that have given their lives such that freedom and independence had been attained by us and we enjoy it right now. There are two significant uh, occasions wherein this freedom that we are enjoying today is being celebrated for the reason that these people have sacrificed their lives in order to attain the freedom that we are enjoying today. And these two occasions are what we call the Declaration of Independence. And the other one is the Emancipation Proclamation, which was written and declared by President Lincoln somewhere in 1861. The Declaration of Independence summarized the colonists' motivation for seeking independence 
by declaring themselves an independent nation, the American colonists were able to confirm an official alliance with the government of France and obtain France assistance in the war against Great Britain resulting to its independence. The second is the Civil War. In the Civil War, this began somewhere in 1861 after a simmering tension between the North and the South over slavery and state rights. On January 1, 1861, President Lincoln issued a final emancipation proclamation declaring that all slaves within the rebellious states are and henceforth forward shall be free. This is bitterly denounced by the South and also some of the people of the North. But this proclamation reduced the likelihood that the anti-slavery European powers would recognize the Confederacy as an independent nation and open the way for large number of African Americans to join the U.S. armed forces. At the same time, tensions created by losses of the battlefield and sacrifices on both sides of the front were reflected in public meetings and demonstrations. Though peace movements were increasing in strength in both the North and the South, a majority of both sides remained bitterly determined to pursue the war for victory. Only two months after the North's major defeat at Chancellorsville, Virginia, in May of 1863, the Union victory of Gettysburg, that is from July 1 to 3, 1863, dramatically raised the northern mark of Moraine. The fall of Vicksburg, Mississippi, on July 4, militarily split the Confederacy into two. And set Ulysses Grant on the path of becoming the Union's final and most aggressive general-in-chief. In the Confederate States, food shortages and exorbitant prices caused riots in several cities, rampant guerrilla warfare 
in Kansas and Missouri created the war. The question is why do I bring this issue of history as a nation? And what is the purpose in trying to identify the differences between the South and the North? The North believe that men are created equal. That's the reason why people need to be free since they love freedom. While the South wanted to retain slavery, they fought against the North on the North's belief that every individual has the right to be free. And President Lincoln expressed that men are created equal. But there is still one kind of slavery where we are fighting for. And this is the slavery of sin and death. And in this issue, we could not make it unless the creator of the universe intervenes. And today, I want to bring to you this message in relation to what we shall celebrate tomorrow and its significance in everyone's life. And my text is then found in Isaiah 61, 1 to 3. Can you stand and try to read this? Shall we all stand? Okay, shall we begin? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to prisoners, to pro proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland instead of asses, oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of the spirit of fainting. So they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. So In this passage of scripture, there are many things being mentioned by Isaiah and confirmed by the Lord Jesus Christ in Luke 4, 14 to 21. But I will dwell on the topics of freedom, liberty, and liberation 
which are all interrelated and can be used interchangeably because of its meaning and usage. These three topics are deemed to me by me rather by very important for it carries a very significant implication to all of us. And also, God wants us to enjoy. At the same time, it could bring gladness, praise, and strong faith and righteousness that the Lord God will be glorified. What is then freedom? Ano ba ang freedom? Ano ba ang kalayaan? Dictionary defines freedom as a condition being free of restraint. The liberty of a person from slavery, detention, or oppression, it is a political independence, a possession of civil rights, an exemption from an unpleasant or onerous condition. It is also the capacity to exercise choice, free will, and ease or facility of movement, frankness or boldness, the right of unrestricted use or full access, and the right to enjoy all the privileges of membership or citizenship. We have what we call the biblical freedom. And this freedom was being written in the music law. And also the social freedom. The concept of freedom appears frequently in the Bible especially in the passages declaring or dealing with the laws of slavery under the Mosaic regime and also in the Poland epistles wherein the term is applied to individual spiritual life. When Abraham commissioned his servant to find a wife for Isaac, he required him to swear that he would not take Isaac back to the land from which Abraham had come, but that he would persuade the woman of his choice to come to Isaac. And we could find that in Genesis 24. If the woman refused, the servant will be freed from the pledge. To be free means, therefore, that the servant would not be exempted or expected to continue to, to search, but could consider his commission being discharged. In the Bible, we also have the social freedom. 
And this social freedom is being exercised by the Israelites. Socially, every member of the Jewish commonwealth was a free man, except for captives of war who were made slaves and for those who voluntarily sold themselves in order to pay the debt. To pay the debt. Under the Old Testament law, a slave was usually freed upon completion of six years service. Exodus 21, 1-6, or rather 2-6 says, and this provides, that if you buy a Hebrew slave, I don't know whether, let's see. If you buy a Hebrew slave, he shall serve you six years. But on the seventh, he shall go out as a free man without payment. If he comes alone, he shall go out alone. If he is a husband of a wife, then his wife shall go out with him. If his master gives him a wife, and she bears him children, the wife and his children shall belong to her master, and he shall go out alone. But if a slave plainly says, I love my master, my wife, and my children, and I will not go out as a free man, then his master shall bring him to God, then he shall bring him to the door or doorpost, and his master shall pierce his ear with an owl, lagyanang, botas, and he shall serve him permanently. When a slave had paid for his freedom by his labor, he is being released to enter upon his own career. This law does not exist today, for everyone is socially free. But there is an existence of an unpleasant and onerous condition as defined by freedom brought about by leadership. And this is what we call the cause of our choice. Freedom in the Bible is connected cheaply with the concept of liberation from sin. The Lord Jesus stated that every man who commits sin is a slave of sin and that he can be free only by the intervention of the Son of God who is able to break sin's yoke. The operation of new life of the Spirit can deliver man from the depressing law of sin and death and can engender the hope of ultimate liberation from corruption that follows sin. Romans chapter 8 verses 2 and 21 say, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus 
has set us free from the law of sin and death. That the creation itself will also be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. We discussed this last Thursday, last, last Friday. So suddenly, with Pastor Willie. This freedom is not the product of legalism, but of faith as being emphasized by Paul. In Galatians 4, verses 20 to 31, that is telling the Israelites that they are not children of a bad woman, but of a free woman. And could also be applied to us through our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. This freedom is not license, but is manifested in love. Because according to Paul in Galatians 5.13, it says, For we are called to freedom, brethren, only do not turn your your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, you have to serve one another. It is a voluntary operation of the will, which motivate man to fulfill the purpose of God, to do right because it satisfies one's deepest desire, his freedom. God is infinite personality and man is finite. The freedom of man lies within the circle of the freedom of God. Man may at any moment decide to accept or to reject the alternative which that moment offers, but he cannot choose to avoid the consequences of his choice. Or can he refuse to respond to the alternative? To refuse to choose is in itself a choice. An act may be repudiated or counteracted, but it can never be recalled or undone. Man's freedom then is circumscribed by his previous acts in time. Since the past affects the present, and because the present affects the future, apart from the intervention of God, man lives in an even narrowing circle of cause and effect, which must finally bind him completely. Man has seen that the horizon of his freedom is consequently limited. He may choose whether or not he will commit some particular sin, but he cannot choose whether or not he will be a sinner for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. He can only acknowledge and accept the deliverance which God can provide. He may have the freedom to refuse it, but not to avoid the consequences of his repetition. 
God is completely righteous. He is not limited by the restraint of evil. He is to exercise his redemptive power as is his fit at any time. And whatever he does must ultimately even pray in good for all concerned. There can be no real conflict between the moral responsibility of man and the sovereign will of God. Since the constitution of this universe, which embraces the option of moral choice, is established by divine decree. God has created the world with the possibility of freedom because it is an essential part of his nature. Although man's freedom is circumscribed by finiteness, it is no less genuine than that of God who is infinite. Within the sphere allotted to man, he is free. This freedom has been seriously curtailed by sin. The evils that have been produced by wrong choice of the past handicaps the exercise of free will fully. Not because God is arbitrarily so rude, but because in an ordered universe, liberty can survive only within the law. In order, therefore, to restrain evil and to keep it from enslaving the world permanently, God must intervene by redemption. He retains the prerogative of final decision. Freedom is contingent upon abiding in the law of Christ, which involved an act of the will. John 8, 31-32 says, So Jesus was saying to the Jews who believed him, If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of man, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. But freedom is a gift of God, who alone possesses it fully. John 8.36 says, So if the Son makes you free, you will be free indeed. Amen? Let's come to liberation. Liberation is deliverance or liberty, which comes the idea of freedom from bondage, enslavement, or imprisonment. The Filipino people fought against the Spanish regime after the death of Dr. Jose Perezal. And this is what Dr. Jose Perezal had written in one of the lines of his poem, My Last Farewell. And he wrote this way, I die just when I see the dawn break through the gloom of the night to her of the day. And the color is lacking my blood thou shalt take, poured out at need for my dear sake to die, D-Y-E, with its crimson, the waking rain. 
Um, General Aguinaldo fought against Governor Polavia in Malacanang, causing the death of Polavia. But the War of 1898 between the U.S. and Spain gave the Americans the right to govern the land since Spain ceded the Philippines to the U.S. in the amount of $20 million and assigned on the Treaty of Paris. But it did not stop there because of the Filipinos' eagerness to be independent. The 1935 Constitution approved and adopted guaranteed the Filipinos the right to be independent of 13 years of its adoption in 1935. While this was granted, the Japanese in 1941 attacked the Americans in Hawaii, unprepared, causing the Philippines to be under the Japanese rule, establishing the puppet government and appointing Jose Pierre Laurel as president. But did the but this did not last long, since General MacArthur fought back the Japanese and with the use of two atomic bombs dropped at Nagasaki and Hiroshima, the Japanese surrendered to the Americans, ending the Second World War. In the case of the U.S., the Americans fought their independence against Great Britain. And one, our constitution with the people granted us right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. According to Alexander Hamilton in 1775, he says, the sacred rights of mankind are not to be rummaged for among old parchments or master records, they are written as a sunbeam in the whole volume of human nature by the hand of the divinity itself and can never be erased or obscured by mortal power. And according to Thomas Jefferson in 1819, he said, the Declaration of Independence is the declaratory character of our rights and the rights of man. In the Old Testament, there are three kinds of freedom or liberation which are spoken of. And these are liberation from bondage in Egypt to become a peculiar, peculiar people under God, a, king, a kingdom of priests, and a holy nation. This is what the Lord said to Moses written in Exodus 19, 3-6. Moses went up to God, and the Lord called him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the sons of Israel, You yourself have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagle's wings, and brought you to myself. Now then, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be my own possession among all the peoples, 
for all the earth is mine. And ye shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that ye shall speak to the sons of Israel. And Peter attested to this by saying in 1 Peter 2.9, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into the marvelous light. It was God who brought about liberation. This deliverance from oppression and war in Egypt of freedom and plenty in Palestine was not to be a freedom of libertinism. It was from servitude to Pharaoh to the service of God. It's of these places of Israel's liberation from Egypt is found in the New Testament. Believers are freed from the bondage of Satan and the world to be a kingdom of priests and bond slaves of the Lord. Ephesians 2, 1-3 says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked, according to the prince of the power of the age, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we to all formerly live in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. We then, are all children of the Lord and are and must be obedient to his will. Let's come to liberation of slaves. The, dignity, the dignity of man was maintained in the laws of liberation of slaves every seventh year or the year of Jubilee, whichever comes first. And in their human treatment, Deuteronomy 15, 12 to 15 says, If your kinsman, a Hebrew man or woman is sold to you, then he shall serve you six years, but in the seventh year, you shall set him free. When you send him free, you shall not send him empty-handed. You shall furnish him liberally from your flock and from your freshy floor, and from your wine bath. You shall give to him as the Lord your God has blessed you. You shall remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore, I command you this name. The liberation of Israel always depends on what they are doing. If Israel obeys God, they would enjoy peace and freedom as expressed in Deuteronomy 28. But rebellion and idolatry would lead him to bondage, them to bondage, to other nations 
However, a glorious deliverance was promised with the coming of the Messiah as what was written in Isaiah 61, 1-3. One thing that I am very happy today, that a woman teaching in the school of the Israelites who do not know the Bible, who do not even know but what is in the Bible, but she's teaching, found out that because of the writings of Messiah, she was able to recognize that it is the Lord Jesus Christ who is the Messiah. The same is true with the man who is a doctor's degree holder, two doctor's degree holder, an Israelite, trying now to believe that the Lord Jesus Christ is the Messiah. That's the development today. And I said, I believe with all my heart that this time will be a real time for us to prepare for the coming of the Lord. Because with these signs that are coming now, we will know unless we are prepared, we have to suffer the consequences we don't know to become faithful and obedient to him. So if Israel obeyed God, they would enjoy peace and freedom. But rebellion and idolatry would lead them to bondage to other nations. However, I said that a glorious deliverance was promised with the coming of the Messiah as what was written in Isaiah, in Isaiah 61, 1-3. This proved to be in two parts. Christ quoting and fulfilling the first part when he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, down to the words, to preach the acceptable day of the Lord at his coming. While the second, the day of vengeance of our God, remains to be fulfilled just before the second advent of the Lord Jesus Christ. With this millennial return, he will answer in the great liberation of all, and one with both Israel and the church will be, will share. Joel 2, 30 to 32 says, I will display wonders in the sky and on the earth. Blood, fire, and columns of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it will come about that whoever calls in the name of the Lord will be delivered. For on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, there will be those who escape, as the Lord has said, even among those survivors whom the Lord calls. And in Hebrew 11, 
Hebrews 11, 39 to 40. Speaking to the heroes of faith, it says, And all these, having gained approval through their faith, did not receive what is promised, because God had provided something better for us, so that apart from us, they would not be made perfect. In the New Testament, in the New Testament liberation, it speaks of deliverance from spiritual rather than the, the physical bondage. Christ quoted Isaiah 61.1 as mentioned and its fulfillment with, the coming, with his coming and the judgment of Satan. This covers deliverance from sin and its power. If we reckon ourselves to be dead to sin, then sin has no power and have no dominion over us. Amen. Romans 6, 6 to 7 says, Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him, in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so that we no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is freed from sin. The spiritual liberation taught in the scripture guards us against two extremes. First, it forbids libertinism, saying, let us do evil that good become, or that Christ be abound. Romans 6, 1 to 3 says, what shall we do then? Are we to continue to sin so that grace be increased? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Second, it does not teach legalism. That is justification by works. By perfectly keeping the law, Christ alone could and did fulfill the law of all justification and all law-keeping done by man in self-justification is therefore condemned. Romans 3, 19-20 says, Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be closed and all the world may become accountable to God. Because of the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For through the law comes the knowledge of sin. Our justification, therefore, is not based on the law we follow, but by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The believer's liberty is one that is maintained in a life of a progressive sanctification which occurs within the bounds of the law. Matthew 5, 7 to 19 says, The Lord Jesus Christ had said, Do not think that I come to abolish the law or the prophets. I did come to abolish but to fulfill it. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth be pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass from the law until all is accomplished. 
other deal than an horse, one of the least of these commandments, and teaches others to do the same, shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever keeps that, teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. And Romans 13, 8 to 10, Paul said, Oh, nothing to anyone except to love one another. For he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. For this, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, it is summed up in the saying, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does not do wrong, does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. When we live according to this present, we have freedom. According to James, it is called the perfect law of liberty, the royal law, and the law of liberty. Let's come to liberty now. Liberty in the Old Testament always implies the liberation of slavery or imprisonment. The law of Moses declares that if a slave has served his master for a period of seven years, he has to be released as a slave in the year of Germany. And also all patrimonial agricultural land were to be restored in the year of, of Jubilee. Jeremiah spoke against the citizens of Jerusalem who had covenanted with Tigis and Sedekiah to free their slaves and then had put them again in bondage the second time. Thus, we mean that liberty is the happy state of being released from servitude for the life enjoyment and satisfaction that is not possible before. Liberty in the, old, in the New Testament. When the Lord Jesus Christ spoke in the synagogue at Nazareth, he selected the passage of Isaiah 61 following, for telling liberty to the, for the captives and freedom for the downtrodden and the imprisoned. Then he declared this day, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. He had come to liberate the slaves of sin and Satan. Thus we find in John 8, 34, 36, and 41 to 44, saying, Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave of sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever but the Son remains forever. So if the Son makes you free, if the Son makes us free, then we are free indeed. And then verse 41 to 44, telling the Pharisees, Jesus said, you are doing the deeds of your Father. They said to him, we are not born of fornication. We have the Father God. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I proceeded forth and have come from God. For I have not 
even come on my own initiative. But he said, why do you not understand what I am saying? It is because you cannot have, you cannot hear my word. You are of your father the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Two kinds of liberty were envisioned by the Lord Jesus Christ. These are the spiritual liberty that began in its fulfillment after the death of the cross. And the second is the complete political liberty, which would come only with a new creation of the millennial kingdom. Paul speaks of the, liber of the spiritual liberty integrated by the cross, declaring that it frees a man from all legalism and self-justification. Romans 8, 20 to 21 says, for the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, it in hope that the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Some feel that this freedom did not exist in any real sense before the cross, while others are convinced that it existed in the Old Testament and that this proved in that the Israelites were saved by grace on the basis of faith alone. The latter finds their proof in Romans chapter 4, in which Abraham is said to have been justified by faith before the law was given. David, after the law was given and under it. These do, however, see the cross as making a real difference in in the sense that it freed the Holy Spirit to perform a fuller ministry in the New Testament than in the Old. Paul insisted upon absolute liberty from the law system of Moses as the result of justification through faith in Christ Jesus. Romans 7, 4, 4-6 says, Therefore, my brethren, you also were made to die to the law through the body of Christ, so that you might be joined to another to him who was raised from the dead in order that we might bear fruit for God. For while we were in the flesh, the simple passions which were aroused by the law were at work in the members of our body to bear fruit to death. But now we have been released from the law, having died to that which were based which were bound so, to, so that we serve in newness of the spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. In summary where this, I introduced and mentioned the Americans of the Filipinos fighting for freedom. I also mentioned how the Lord saved the Israelites 
from the Egyptians to, to be free and become God's possession, the peculiar people of God, and to become the kingdom of Christ and holy nation. And I also discussed the meaning of freedom and its implication to both Israel to all people as a whole. I also discussed the biblical concept and the passages dealing with the loss of slavery during the Moses regime and the Pauline epistle on individual freedom, which are social and spiritual. In the law of Moses, I also discussed how they are being considered as prevent. In the spiritual of freedom, is connected to the concept of liberation from sin as expressed by the Lord Jesus Christ. The law of the spirit of life must be set free from the law of sin and death. And that freedom is said to manifest in love and not in law, in the law. I said that God is infinite and the freedom of man lies within the freedom of, of God. And apart from God's intervention, man lives in a narrowing circle of cause and effect, which would bind him completely. God is righteous and is free to exercise his intervention. However, the moral responsibility of man, the sovereign will of God, has without no conflict, since the moral choice is established by the Vatican. And our freedom is seriously curtailed by sin. A wrong choice in the past handicap the full exercise of free will. God must intervene by redemption to, re to restrain evil and to keep from enslaving the whole world permanently. So our freedom is contingent upon abiding in the Lord Christ. There were two songs of which I was impressed so much due to the lines that were written. One of these songs is returned to me and the other is returned to mom. Though these songs may be worldly in nature, its implications are too deep for us to ponder them. In the line of the song returned to me, this is what it says. Return to me, for my heart wants you only. Hurry home, hurry home. Won't you please hurry home to my heart? And on one of the lines of the song, Return to Love, it says, Who cares about the past? Who knows about tomorrow? Love is now. And maybe this won't last. Maybe this moments. All we have, let's find it out. These two lines can be applied to the call of the Lord. Jesus Christ. It calls for us to return to him, to return to his love. He tells us to hurry him to his love and to his heart. And on the line of the second song, it says, we don't know what will be tomorrow. We don't care about the past. And maybe this moment would last and we have it now. Let's find it out and decide now either to accept or to reject the Lord's offer, to love or not to love, to serve or not to serve, but as what Jesus said. He said this way, 
fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity of all faith. And put away the gods which your father served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And it says, if it is disagreeable to you, to your sight to serve the Lord, serve, choose for yourselves today of your side. Whether the gods which were your father served, which were beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in which you love, whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Thank you God very much and God known to everyone.